Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Once and Future Grinnell. I am Ann Harris, your host for this next hour of conversation and discussion and consideration um, about strategic planning at Grinnell College. I also have the honor of serving as the president of the college, and it's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity um, to have some time to think together into the future of this marvelous institution. So I wanted to spend about the first 20 minutes or so uh, before being joined by guests, and that will be a regular feature um, of this uh, radio broadcast, is that we will have guests on the show speaking with me and again thinking with me um, about, uh, about strategic planning. But uh, I wanted to spend the first 20 minutes or so talking to you all about the, the purpose and really kind of laying out a little bit of what this show is about and what it seeks to do. So first and foremost is our marvelous audience, um, and that's to think about um, the opportunity to connect with students, with alumni, um, and with friends of the college, uh, other, other people who want to think with us um, for the future of the college. Um, and this is because we're right now in this very conceptual stage of strategic planning. We're not yet making decisions. We're not yet identifying projects. We're really trying to articulate principles of strategic planning. Um, and this is something, of course, that happens within higher education a great deal, is to try to see and to try to think about what's coming in the next three to five to 10 years. What are some of the demographic changes, cultural changes um, that we can prepare for? What are some of the what's happening in the political landscape um, and the relationship between education and the lived experience of a multicultural democracy. These are the kinds of questions that prompt strategic planning. Also, how to, how to be distinctive, how to put ourselves out there um, in the higher education landscape, which is a very complicated landscape. Uh, and one, of course, that the small liberal arts college um, group of which Grinnell College is part occupies in a very distinctive way. Um, small liberal arts colleges are only 2% of the higher education landscape. And so thinking about how we do our work from within our particular position within higher education is very important. So strategic planning is basically this welcome opportunity to think into the future, to plan for a future with some things being known and other things being unknown. And I can give you examples, you know, from right here um, at Grinnell, nobody really, well, okay. There were public health experts who predicted a pandemic sooner or later. At Grinnell College, the strategic planning process that preceded this one thought a great deal about emergency preparation. And indeed, um, a position was hired and this marvelous individual has led us very, very well through the pandemic in terms of our planning, in terms of our connections, in terms of our collaborations. So strategic planning as a, I would almost call it a rhythm now within higher education, um, comes, I would say, maybe every, every five years, every 10 years, you want to think about it in terms of sabbatical cycles every seven years. Um, it's a it's a way to think into the future. And what I love about it, one of the ways that I think about strategic planning is as a seminar, um, as a five-year seminar, right? And that's pretty rare in higher education, although I will tell you that there are institutions that sometimes run a seminar for 10 years. And these are usually graduate institutions and people come in and out um, and they're always contributing knowledge. But it's a seminar because it's an opportunity to study ourselves. It's an opportunity to study this institution within this, I keep calling it a landscape, but within this, this ecosystem of higher education that also involves um, legislatures and economies and cultural movements, um, political movements all at once. And so this idea of thinking about what, what does a seminar of the institution and for the institution look like is kind of why we go into strategic planning. Um, and it's a, it's a preparedness exercise, but I also think it's a, it's a really good um, academic, in, in the deepest sense of the word, academic exercise. So I do want to pause on the word um, seminar. It's one of my favorite Latin words, actually. And I, I, you know, I, I studied um, classical languages for many years. I love etymologies. I find them absolutely um, 
Well, delightful, I think, is, is the first word I would use. And then beyond delightful, I think instructive. Um, but seminar, the word we use for seminar is from the Latin word seminarium, which was the planting ground for seeds. Um, in fact, it's where we, you know, the, the idea of starting a garden, basically. And so I think of a seminar as seed planting um, for the future. It's also where we get the word seminary, uh, the idea of, of young shoots, right? The youth um, being educated in the seminary. So a really, really cool, cool word um, to come from that. So um, if you're tuning in tonight, uh, it's wonderful to be with you in real time. Uh, if you can't, you might be listening to this also on our podcast. That's all things Grinnell. And that's the that's where all of these recordings will live eventually, um, is on our podcast, which is a marvelous podcast. I would recommend listening to all of the episodes on that. Uh, but this will this these conversations that I'm now gonna be having will join uh, those podcasts on all things Grinnell. Um, and um, those are beautifully produced. Uh, these will be much more just uh, conversational and so forth, although I am looking for theme songs. So if you know, dear listeners, of any theme songs about strategic planning, do let me know. Uh, we'll see if I can weave that in as I learn this technology of doing radio broadcasts through the web. Um, that would be absolutely marvelous. I wanted to, um, in the time that remains before I get into my conversation with my treasured guests, um, I did want to, having explained a little bit of the audience and of what strategic planning um, aims to do, what it seeks to do, I also wanted to pause on the title. Uh, of this particular uh, broadcast, and I've called it Once and Future Grinnell, really preferring that title to you know the Strategic Planning Hour, um, although that has a ring to it too. But Once and Future Grinnell, it's based on um, uh, the title of a book, The Once and Future King, uh, written by T.H. White in 1958, which itself was based on a medieval book written in 1485, um, Le Morte d'Arthur, The Death of Arthur, by Sir Thomas Mallory, and it was about King Arthur. So the once and future king, this 1958 novel, um, is focused on the education of King Arthur when he was a young boy, before he was recognized as king. So all that potential, before he understood himself as king, before that moment of pulling the sword out of the stone, um, which was the Disney movie remake of the book. So there's a long, wonderful trajectory from 1485 to 1958 to whenever the sword in the stone was made. Um, but the education of King Arthur with Merlin. So for me, calling this this uh, broadcast, Once in Future Grinnell, really seeks to anchor our process in education with, yes, maybe a little bit of magic in all of this, you know, signified by Merlin the wizard. Um, although, of course, there's nothing magical. There's just hard work and hard study that comes into, into strategic planning. But it also seeks to position us in the here and now able to look to the past of where we've been as an institution and then looking forward. Thus the title, you know, Once and Future Grinnell, kind of moving, um, moving forward, but really thinking about where Grinnell College has been, what we want to honor in our past, what we want to critique in our past. I think that has to be a part of it. Um, and, and critique through self-reflection, through the different directions that we want to take. And this can be anything from how we live in community to what we want Grinnell College to contribute to other communities. And I think that's very important if you think just briefly about how much Grinnell College has changed um, over the past 50 years. Um, that's a powerful way to think about our strategic planning work is with that once and future dynamic that's there. So time goes fast when you're talking about strategic planning. So I have, I have about a, a half the time I've allotted myself um, to speak alone before uh, we go into the interviews to speak about how the, the kind of the, the logistics of strategic planning at Grinnell. And that is that we're taking what's known as a collective impact approach to strategic planning. This is a term that I have learned from uh, Monica Chavez, whom you will meet in just a few minutes. It's a term that comes out, it's a practice, that comes out of the nonprofit world, where nonprofit organizations, in order to do their work, very often, if not most often, work in coalition, working across multiple institutions for that collective impact. So in a nonprofit organization, um, you've got 
connections to other nonprofits. You may have connections to civic or municipal entities. You may have connections to granting agencies. There's all sorts of connections that occur in that nonprofit world, which by the way, education is also one, right? Grinnell College is a, is a nonprofit. But within, uh, but within the, the more things, you know, the, the more typically known nonprofits, uh, organization, community organizations, and so forth, that collective impact approach acknowledges the fact that there are multiple organizations with multiple cultures and structures at work, all striving to work in the same direction. Doesn't mean they're all doing the same thing, but they're working in the same direction. And I find that actually a profound statement about higher education, a profound statement about a college like Grinnell College, where faculty members are engaged in a certain practice that contributes to educational excellence and community, where students are engaged in a practice that also you know, contributes to that educational mission, where staff are engaged in a particular practice that contributes to the mission of the college. We're all contributing to it from very different experiences, structures, and I would say cultures. And so I love that, that um, with Monica's guidance on this, we are acknowledging that, that as we are one college, we are multiple experiences. And as we gather our multiple experiences, we will have that collective impact onto the future of the college. That's really the goal um, of, of doing a collective impact approach to strategic planning. I think that's very, very powerful. And on that note, I want to cite um, a particular passage from uh, a book that I'm reading now uh, called Talking to Strangers, Anxieties of Citizenship Since Brown versus Board of Education by Danielle Allen, this incredible, incredible scholar um, uh, holding actually several PhDs um, in, you know, talk and works across um, political science, philosophy, all different kinds of fields. And she has something that I want to bring to this strategic planning conversation. She has the concept of wholeness, which she contrasts to unity. And as I think about strategic planning and as I, as I get ready to speak to first today's guests, but then also um, to have our community and our constituents talk among each other about strategic planning, I don't think we're looking for unity, meaning one thing or um, something that is um, homogeneous necessarily. I think we are looking for wholeness, meaning this sense that we can all share in the plenitude of Grinnell's mission of educational excellence and the common good, that we can all, in, in that whole and holistic way, recognize ourselves and our contributions within strategic planning. So the quote I, I want to read um, that I think is just really very powerful here is how she, and she's talking about democracy um, in, her, in her book, but I think it's very interesting actually to think about um, the democracy, to think about American multiracial and multicultural democracy in connection with an educational institution like ours. That's not to say it is a democracy, it's to say that it's related to democracy and in fact I would argue prepares us um, and nurtures democracy. So she talks about developing habits of citizenship that can help a democracy bring trustful coherence out of division without erasing or suppressing difference. And I will probably put that in writing somewhere, um, whether it's in my, my, my own writing or on a piece of paper on my desk, because I think trustful coherence um, would be the most powerful outcome to have of a strategic planning process, that we trust each other to carry the mission forward um, and that that mission be trustful in its coherence and, and itself have trustful coherence. And it, we'll have to build that. We'll have to build that over time through our conversations, um, through our work with each other, and through, um, of course, the actions, the mutually reinforcing actions of strategic planning. So the last comment that I'd, I'd wanna develop here with you before we, we enter into conversation, the last comment I'd want to enter into is the, the duality or the two roles, the simultaneous roles that um, a college member 
holds. And let me explain to you what I mean by that. So when I say a college member, a member of the college community, that can be a student, of course, a faculty member, a staff member, um, an alumnus, um, of course, our trustees, parents, and um, I would, what, the, you know, the, a group that I would call the friends of the college, people who are interested in Grinnell College, people who have benefited um, from Grinnell College. So this is a very large community, and I say this a little bit in, in introduction of the concept of community that we're gonna talk about um, first today. That's a very large community, and we all hold two simultaneous roles that actually could be separate, but we hold them at the same time. We hold them simultaneously. And that is to be at once a constituent, a, somebody who benefits from the institution, whether it's through education or development or livelihood or joy um, or any of the other ways that, that the institution can fulfill us in our constituency. And we're also caretakers of the college. In other words, we are also benefactors um, to the college. We give of our energy, of our labor, of our creativity, to each other, to the college, to its mission. Um, we take care of each other. We take care of the college and its reputation, in its, um, you know what, and I would say in pushing the college to be better, we are caretakers of the college and the college will never ever cease trying to be better. That is the marvelous arc of the common good, um, is that you're always seeking to improve it and to deepen it. So being simultaneously constituents and caretakers, being simultaneously people who benefit from and who give benefit to uh, the institution. I find that a very interesting position to hold. I, you know, I'd have to think more about whether or not people hold that, do, that simultaneity um, within any institution. I mean, arguably, I don't know. I'd have to really think about that. Um, I know that I've given a lot of thought to it um, for, in higher education and specifically in a small liberal arts college where as we walk around campus, as we are in our classrooms, as we do our research, as we practice our expertise, we are both constituents and caretakers of the institution. And that's something that I think um, strategic planning underscores because here we are, right, as constituents, talking and thinking and being together, but also as caretakers, we are the ones who are going to be implementing these ideas. We are the ones who are going to be putting these ideas into action. So I absolutely really find that simultaneity fulfilling and interesting um, and uh, you know may talk about it at greater length at another time. But as my time wraps up, I want to go ahead and introduce um, the you know really the, the the topic for today and of course I'll be so happy to introduce my guests. Um, but um, I haven't mentioned this yet. There are five strategic principles within which, um, I'm inviting us to think in, in, and to, to start to collaborate and conceptualize this spring. Again, in the fall, we'll start moving into initiatives and projects and so forth. Um, and I've loved the creativity of, of, of response so far. So there are five um, strategic principles that we're really thinking about throughout the spring. I will dedicate two episodes to each strategic principle, and then uh, we will have this really wonderful, I think, dossier, and I'll, and I'll find ways. You can always, always send your thoughts and your ideas to president at grinnell.edu, and I will reiterate that at the end of it when we talk about next steps. Um, but over the next 10 weeks, we'll be talking about community um, as a strategic principle. We will be talking about educational excellence and continuity. We will also be discussing diversity, equity, and inclusion. We will give time to health and well-being as a strategic principle, not just a hope and a dream. Uh, and the, the last but absolutely not least, it's our bedrock um, in terms of what, what it, all the things that it makes possible, and that is financial sustainability. So again, if you're, if you're in it for all 10 weeks, those are the strategic principles that we will be um, examining conceptually. This time allows me the luxury of really delving deeply into these different principles. And I hope you feel invited to 
share your ideas, to share feedback, um, to share your own conceptualizations, because of course that is what will make, um, if the concepts are rich, the actions will also be rich, right? In terms of um, in terms of benefiting this marvelous institution, which holds a very important place in higher education, and I would argue with my whole heart um, in American democracy. Okay, so having said that by way of introduction, I'm now going to um, transition into the second part of our broadcast. And again, if there are theme music songs about strategic planning that you know about, do let me know because there'd be a little musical interlude at this point. Um, but without that, it'll just be me making the transition. And I'm just so honored this evening to be joined by two colleagues who are the staff and faculty co-leads of the strategic planning process. So it's really absolutely marvelous to begin with them. Um, they have really shaped and provided frameworks for the on-campus discussions. Um, um, they're still virtual, but I'm calling them that, um, the campus discussions with faculty and staff. Um, and so it's really my privilege and my honor to uh, welcome Monica Chavez Silva, who is the Vice President of Community Engagement and Strategic Planning at the college and is the staff co-lead. And then uh, to welcome Caleb Elfenbein, who is the faculty co-lead, Associate Professor of History and Religious Studies and the Director of the Humanities Center. And I will invite you both to say hello, which will also allow us to do a sound check. Okay, well, the very important sound check. Um, thank you for the introduction. This is Monica, and I appreciate the invitation to be here this evening and talk more about the once and future Grinnell. Thanks. Great. Hello, uh, this is Caleb, and uh, I'm really grateful to be here uh, today and looking forward to this conversation very much. Wonderful. And for those of you um, who know um, either Caleb or Monica, or maybe you have the good fortune to know both of them, um, you know what a you know how excited I am um, to be in conversation with them. So I thought that we would actually kind of open up the conversation. Um, each of these essays has I wrote essays for each of these strategic principles, I should say, um, and we'll make those available as well. But each one of those looked at five different areas of what the concept of community what or is, I would say. Um, and, and defining the concept of community broadly as how we value each other and our shared goals. I'm very interested to get um, your early responses to this idea of valuing each other and our shared goals. And then we'll, we'll work into these five different um, subcategories. And I have questions um, for each of you there. But I, I would just invite you to, to share with us when you have in your own experiences at the college, which are long lived, by the way, um, and, I, and I, I love learning from people who have been in a community for a long time. Um, when you've seen that moment of shared goal, it doesn't have to be a specific example, but what that shared goal um, feels like in your own work, in your own practice, it doesn't even have to be institution-wide. But I'm very curious to, to start to conceptualize for us what that, um, yeah, I'm going to say what that feels like, what a shared goal um, feels like in your work. And by the way, these are unrehearsed interview questions because the idea is that we're just talking with each other at this point. So on the spot, do we get points at the end of our <laughs> of our of our of our discussion based on answers? We should turn it that way. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll pop yeah. in and and um, and um, maybe Caleb Caleb can can offer some thoughts too. Um, it's interesting that you ask the question: What does that idea of having shared goals with others feel like? And I'm just going to talk from a, from a gut feeling, working at the college, you're right, for, for now at this point 20 years, which is getting to be quite some time. Um, I, I always feel like there's a feeling of discovery in some ways, you know, um, discovering that, um, and, and like happy discovery, that there are others um, in their work um, who might have similarities and commonalities and that's that we've got some goals in common. Um, it, 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 it feels like to me, well, I'll back up a little bit. Um, the work that I do at the college um, is heavily um, 
divided between both the off-campus community here in Grinnell and and the and the and the college community as well. Um, and in so many ways, um, the the college community is so big, so many people, and so that opportunity to meet new people, discover what they're about, and discover what we have in common um, is always exciting. I think. That's oh, beautiful. Caleb, what about you and your many, many projects over the last 10 years here? I think um, one, of the, one of the great things that I've learned um, now in my 11th year ah. um, as a part of the Grinnell College community is, um, is, is that ultimately our, our main shared goal is uh, a commitment to creating an amazing educational experience for our students. And in order to do that, we need to know how to support one another. And I have uh, learned over time that you know, when I arrived at Grinnell, I'm not too far removed from graduate school studying a particular specialization. I came in with the idea that my chief role was to uh, teach classes and produce scholarship in, in, in that area. And that continues to be a significant part of what I do. But what I learned is that I can be most effective in, in that role when I am learning from and supporting other people and, um, and, and really knowing, um, what other people contribute to the students overall experience um, and thinking about working as a as a team and uh, i think it, it is precisely in that idea of a team as educators um, as um, people asking questions yeah. to grow and become better at what we do all the time um, that is precisely in in that process that we are able to identify shared goals. And I really appreciate, Monica, that you, um, that you mentioned the broader Grinnell community um, to really always think about how, in identifying those shared goals, um, we um, can support life in our community as well. Um, and that includes um, every part of our community from, um, from our elementary schools uh, through our really wonderful and vibrant, uh, dynamic retirement communities. Mm. Um, can we uh, work with, with all of these folks to, to create uh, a, a really a, a wonderful learning environment as a community? I, I, first of all, I love the scope, you're so right, of um, the lived experience right from the very young to to those who have lived a good deal and and here's this wonderful vibrant center at the heart of it with this student population um right we're a town of nine thousand people and and we have 1700 students and i just think about that that vibrant core um that has been such a such a great in fact the pandemic has taught us even more about that aspect of our community just how interrelated we are with each other so I, I really appreciate the idea of discovery and of, I love how you put it, creating an educational experience because throughout the work of strategic planning, to me, it's, it's also a series of realizations of the labor of being, um, being in a, being a faculty member, being a staff member, being a student. And that's interesting to me because I do think, you know, when we were established in the 19th century, far from the city, it was supposed to be quiet and a kind of respite space. And it's in fact, this actually really intense, um, high activity space. And that idea of taking all that energy and then guiding it towards its own future, I, th I think is absolutely fascinating. So one of the one of the first ways that we can think about community, and, and believe me, community is a term that gets used a lot in higher education, in politics, and, and everywhere. So what I hope that you'll see in the next you know 30 minutes or so um, is that I, I hope we make that term a little more complex. Community isn't just... Um, you know, people coming together. In fact, the way that we come together is very complicated, right? Our admissions process has students coming together from the entire world. I mean, that, that's, and it's really, we are a global college 
in a multicultural democracy. It's a really interesting position. We come together in complicated ways. And then we live together in necessarily complicated ways. We want them to be complicated. So one of the first kind of areas of community that I want to explore is this idea of being a community of inquiry. And what it means to have this idea of asking questions as a habit of mind that when you come into Grinnell College, you expect to ask questions. And what I wanted to ask you both, um, Monica and Caleb, is, is how you have seen constituents, students, faculty, staff, ask questions of the institution. How are we this community of inquiry? How do we ask questions of the institution and of each other? Um, what are the ways where that's been um, productive and what are the ways where it's been more difficult to ask questions or to I could say to, to get answers and you know of course we, we're all thinking about the pandemic but there's also times beyond the pandemic so what I'm trying to do there is to, to is to move us and asking for your help from you know just a community of people that happen to be here to a community of people who are asking questions a community of inquiry um, and I would just love to hear your thoughts on how you see that happen in your practice uh, how you've seen it succeed and how you've seen it be limited at the college. I see Caleb leaning forward, so <laughs> it looks like you have something to say. Jump on in and I'll, I'll jump in after. Um, the, the reality is that um, in order to, to do our jobs well, uh, we all have to ask questions. Mm -hmm. um, no matter what what part of the the college um, to which we we contribute? Uh, questions are at the core of um, of what we do here. Um, who are we serving? Um, how are we serving them? How can we more effectively serve them? Um, those are some of the the core questions I think that that um, that bring us all together right um that help create a sense of the whole um as you as you mentioned earlier um and and i think that 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 as a baseline is really very important now of course we do very different work across the institution and that leaves us um taking those those foundational questions in different directions and i think the the more opportunities we have as a community um, to ask those questions in common, um, to share common spaces in asking them and, and learning more about each other and what we do at the institution, I think um, provides us with um, an opportunity to, to move forward together as, as the collective impact model suggests. Um, and again, that, that also connects with something I had mentioned earlier around um, learning how to support each other um, in this work. So when I think about staff and faculty working together, um, I'm asking how can we support each other in that work? When I'm imagining faculty and staff um, working with students, whether in um, the Student Government Association or um, our uh, student education um, policy committees, the SEPCs that are attached to every major, um, really asking, how can we support each other in the work that we do or that term you used earlier, the, the shared labor of the liberal arts? And I think as a community, uh, as a living and learning community, it does become quite easy for us to become siloed and to begin asking our own particular questions. And I think that that's important, um, but it is just as important to be able to come together and return to those foundational questions together. And um, that's, I really appreciate um, the, the model that, um, that Monica brought to, um, to strategic planning, the collective impact model, because it really is about um, bringing us together and asking some some foundational questions. I love that. I, I think of this fundamental question, you know, how can we support each other? In other words, that being the first mode of inquiry. And you just think, I think about walking into any room on campus. Uh, if that's the first question you're asking, how can I support 
my peers in my classroom? How can I support the professor? How can the professor support? It's just a marvelous way to do it. I, you know, I, I always, I tend to lead with, um, especially when things are difficult, you know, a lead point of inquiry for me is what do you need? What do you, what do you need? When someone is, 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 um, you know, stressed out or having a difficult time, what do you need? And so I, I really value this kind of starting point of inquiry. How can we support each other? Thank you for that. Monica, how about you? I just, I thought your, um, your question and how you framed it was really interesting. You know, like when has it worked well mm. and, and when not so well? And, and um, that got me thinking to um, curiosity. Um, and when I think of inquiry and, you know, when inquiry is like working well and at its best, um, it's, it's because we're curious, right? We're curious about each other. We're curious about learning new things, about learning about new people. Um, and we, we truly want to understand, right? And I think there's a, there's a difference between questions that come from a place of curiosity um, versus questions that maybe come from a place of, of prejudgment already. Um, and, and, you know, where, where I think there's joy is when those questions come from the place of curiosity, right? And, and a little healthy skepticism is always a good thing. And there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but, but, but that, that feeling of curiosity, I think, is where I see people get excited, right? Yeah, you know, you, you bring up such a good point. I, I do think about how we ask questions of each other, right? Like, and so you bring up the word skepticism and healthy skepticism and critique. And, you know, there's a there's a spectrum from skepticism to cynicism, right? And there's, there's probably like where we, as we think about ourselves asking questions um, of each other and of the institution, kind of, I, I think I'm with you. Like skepticism, in fact, is an entire way of learning, right? You just keep asking why, 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 and then, you know, I don't know, Plato or Socrates gets you to a certain point, um, and your own thinking as well. But but I think that how we ask questions and how those questions can be interpreted is really important. So time is already going very quickly. So I'm gonna I'm gonna move us on to the second aspect of community, which is another big word in higher education right now. Um, it's also a big word in community and in in, in fact in our discussion of um, American democracy, and that is belonging this whole idea of belonging. What does it mean to belong to something, to be a part of something important, um, like Grinnell College, like one's home community, one's family, one's, you know, there's all sorts of ways to ask about one's relationship to what I would call corporate entities on a very, very wide range of scales. And so the, the question I would ask there actually is, and it's an interesting one to ask during a pandemic when we're in virtual space with each other, um, is to ask you both about your sense of belonging when it comes to the spaces um, that we have on campus and in our community. And this is something that you know we're asking about belonging because it has been cited in our institutional research as lacking for many students, as lacking for some faculty, lacking for staff, um, lacking for faculty and staff members as well. So I ask it critically, meaning, um, what are those, and I'm, I'm not necessarily saying what, what to share you know, moments of not belonging, but when you think about our campus, where are those spaces of belonging? Where are those moments where people's valued contributions are most celebrated or visible or acknowledged? Um, and I just said moments, which is not a spatial question, but um, when you think about Grinnell College, where are those spaces and maybe yes, times of belonging that we could delve into more deeply, uh, knowing as our institutional research has shown that we can do better on this, you know? And, and I think, I mean, I'd again, from the scale from Grinnell College to American democracy and everything in between. Um, so just your your initial responses to where where does it where does it work? Where or what are spaces we could open up for better belonging, these kinds of things. And I always ask really long questions <laughs> to give people time to think, by the way. So, <laughs> so. sounds like this time's my turn to go first. Um, <laughs> In uh, belonging, when I think about belonging, and I do think about belonging, um, again, from this perspective of, of 
um, the community, right? And trying to welcome people to the college and therefore to the community of Grinnell. Um, I, I tend to think about it, I think, through the through the lens of where people can feel comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. Where 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 people can feel comfortable and feel safe and feel um, like um, they can be a part. So um, I, I know that's not everywhere. That's not everywhere for every person, right? When you talk about physical places, for some people that may be the library, for some people that may be a dining facility, for some people that may be a park in the outdoors, right? Um, and likewise, I think that sense of comfort um, pertains to people in groups as well, right? Not everybody's going to feel comfortable on an athletic team. Not everyone's going to feel comfortable in um, a small group or a large group or it, the, the, there are so many so many options. And I think when I think about, um, you know, we're such a small little school, we're such a small little community that you said before, you know, sort of you begin to look into that and there's so much going on. There's this huge kaleidoscope of people and activities and opportunities. Um, and and you'd like to think that within that whole mosaic um, that there can be places for people to find their comfort and their, their sense of belonging in there. Oh, th- thanks for those beautiful metaphors too of kaleidoscope and mosaic. That's great. Yeah. Caleb. Just wait till I start mixing my metaphors. Then. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, one of the one of the things that I've I've come to appreciate so much about living in um, in a small town um, and and teaching um, and learning at a small institution is just how visible all of the little worlds are. So having moved here with my family and, and um, coming from, from New York City um, to Grinnell, Iowa, uh, the scale is very different. Um, and um, I remember when we first moved here feeling like um, Grinnell as a city was, uh, was, was one place. It was very small. You could drive from one end to the other in, in no time at all. Um, you could walk from one end to another in just a little bit more time. Um, but over time, I've really come to appreciate how many worlds are in the city of Grinnell and how many worlds are in, um, in, in Grinnell College uh, itself. And um, I, I think that um, what we need to ask ourselves as an institution is uh, how we leave space for people, as Monica was saying, to inhabit the worlds in which they are comfortable, in which they feel safe, and yet create common spaces in which everyone feels welcome. Um, and and that is that is a, a huge task. We're learning as our student body has become more diverse. Um, we are learning just how difficult a task that is, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and as you were noting earlier, right? We have to ask questions about how we can do better, and I think this is this is a huge one. Um, how do we create these two different kinds of spaces on campus um, for our students, for our staff, for our faculty um, to be able to be with others who share identities, who share interests, um, but but ultimately to also have spaces and opportunities to come together again, to return to this idea of foundational questions together, of supporting each other, learning from each other. How do we do those things most effectively? Um, we, we need those common spaces as well. And certainly the classroom is a huge one um, for students, for faculty, but then also knowing that an enormous amount of staff work supports and contributes and makes possible what happens in the classroom. Um, so, you know, how, how do we make sure that classrooms are a space in which everyone feels welcome? It's one of those common spaces. Um, this is inc- incredibly hard work, but it is work um, that as an institution 
if we are going to be successful as a community of inquiry, I mean, we just we just have to do together. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I welcome the planned renovation and construction of student residence halls to really think about that in very immediate ways. Um, and we have the tremendous honor of working with Ajay Associates as thought partners to those questions. And so as you were speaking, Kayla, I was thinking common spaces and spaces in common, meaning common spaces like, you know, I think of Herrick Chapel as a common space, or when I hear alumni talk, clearly the forum was some kind of common space. Um, and then I think of classrooms, which are spaces that we all have in common, different classrooms, different setups, but but that, and I just, I mean, I, yeah, I just, I just think about it, especially in a pandemic year. Um, still for me, when I taught for 20 years, you know, that moment where you're in the classroom and as an art historian, there was that moment when the lights went out and the slides went up. And so those were spaces we had in common as well. But I think, I think we have an opportunity with our architectural projects to, to be intentional about that. And I do think space matters in all this. I mean, there's you know many, many other aspects of belonging, um, feeling that you matter, feeling that you would be missed, feeling that your contribution is seen. Um, but a little time with you here spent about spaces, I think I, think I, I really welcome that. I'm gonna go ahead and collapse the next two um, areas. One is collaborative decision-making and the other is governance. They're very, very closely linked. There's no doubt about that. So I'll put the two of those um, together. And here is a moment, governance is a moment where I think Grinnell College really shines and leads because we are one of the very few institutions that I'm aware of that articulates um, a concept of self-governance for its students and has done so since the late 19th century. Um, it, in the late 19th century, it was, it was rather, I'm gonna say vaguely put, but vaguely I think here was um, intentional, uh, meaning that it was supposed to, to open up a conversation. Um, but it was at the time, it was the President George Gates after whom I hope Gates Tower was named, if I understand my Grinnell lore. Um, he served the college from 1887 to 1900. So really saw the, the end of the 19th century. So this idea of self-governance is deep, deep, deep in, um, in the college's history. Um, it is 10,000 times better, he declared, that young people should learn to govern themselves than that they should be governed in any best way whatsoever. So, you know, when I say vague, any best way whatsoever really kind of opens that up um, and, and invites uh, all sorts of, of, of definition and so forth. And I think this is one of the hard things we need to do. Um, there is um, a sense that self-governance is being eroded or that self-governance is being misunderstood or it's really this concept that, and I'm focusing right now on self-governance. We can also talk about um, faculty, trustee, and, and staff engagement in the governance of the institution. Um, but, and, and we'll see where, where your, your uh, interests in responding to this question take, take you. But this to me is the caretaker part of being constituents of the college that, that we take care of it. So I'm just, I'm eager for your thoughts on the starting points of governance. Is it in decision-making? Is it in deliberation? Is it in research? Where do you see governance? And, and whatever thoughts you have about self-governance, I will be asking students, of course, um, as well. So opening up uh, the conversation about where, where, you see, where, where are those starting points of governance um, in your experience? Is he leaning forward? Yes. <laughs> Um, starting points of governance. Um, I think the the most important starting point, honestly, that that I've come to learn over time here as a faculty member, as a member of our executive council um, on campus, as the faculty advisor to the Student Government Association, um, I've learned that um, governance begins with the realization that things work better when we're acting in concert. Um, and, and there are all these kind of disparate parts of governance at the institution, student self-government um, governance, um, executive council as a policy-making body, staff council, the board of trustees, senior staff and administration, all of these different parts of our governance structures, again, all of these worlds in a small community. Um, and we are, simply we are, we are most effective 
when we're when we're governing and uh, exploring uh, and asking questions in concert. So that that has been my experience. It is um, it is an experience born sometimes out of frustration at kind of having a foot in these different worlds and seeing it not work well. Um, and so the the more that we can think about strategic planning as a process um, that works toward working in concert, I think the, the better off we'll be. Wow, just, just your listing all the different governing bodies of the institution just fills me with awe, you know, for how we move things along. But I, but it is the experience of being in a small liberal arts college is that you're going to move through those things. And of course, Monica, you've been in decision-making processes that involve all the worlds of the college and then the community. So yeah, what, what's your starting point? That's so, that's so interesting. Well, it's, it, it's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm remembering what Caleb was saying about his experience of coming to Grinnell from New York City, right? Um, mm -hmm. and, and similarly, I had, um, for the most part, lived in urban areas before coming coming here. So the large to the small. And I think one of a, a, a profound experience for me was really realizing, well, switching from being a, a small fish in a tight, you know, in the big ocean to the other way around. It's, it's, a, it's a small environment. And the, the ability and the responsibility of um, individuals to, to play a part and to make a difference, right? So if something, you know, I, I'll just think about an example. We came here many, many years ago. We had small little children. If we were in Chicago, our, we wanted childcare for our children and um, we shopped around for it and we found it. Um, in Grinnell, Iowa, if you wanted childcare for your children, you could shop around for it and find it. And if you wanted something different, well, you could you know, create it yourself and do it yourself. Um, and so many of the things that that happen in this community, and this is in the community, but I believe it is also on campus, um, that people that people want to see happen. It's because there's a passion there and 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 a, and a dedication to making it making it come true. Um, and I, I think that this that this place um, is really special in that way. It, in its smallness, there, there's an opportunity to help shape things um, the way that you'd like to. Um, and as, as Caleb said, you know, that, that means working with others because you can't get there on your own. Um, and, um, not, not very successfully and not typically in a way that's going to last for a long time. So, um, so I, I think about that, yeah. I do responsibility think, and opportunity. Yeah, I like how you put it, um, ability and responsibility together, because it is, you're so right. I hadn't thought about it that way. I mean, out, out of what could be frustration or lack, right, we are pushed to create things. I mean, I, I've said this in another context that part of the intensity and, and incredible joy, um, but it's, it's an intense joy, uh, right, to live within of being in a community like ours is that we are all things unto each other. We, we, there, there, there's no Broadway two blocks or five blocks away, right? Um, there's Main Street, um, and and or there's you know there's fields and so forth. But I think about I I love what you just said because it it makes me think about governance as creativity, um, right? And, and going through and, and how to put creativity in a process that has a result um, for a community, which gets back to your point. Um, Caleb about realization, which I think is, is absolutely key. So leading into this very last point then, I did want to, to start by saying, and, and I was prompted to think of this when you were listing all the different entities of the, the governing bodies of the college. Um, in the Middle Ages, there are all these treatises written to kings for how to govern well. And one of them is very unpretentiously, haha, called um, Triumph of the Virtues. And it goes through all the cardinal virtues and how to be a good king. And on and, and the way that it opens is so fascinating to me because it positions the king on a spectrum from what, you know, with two uh, extreme ends that you want to avoid at all cost. And on one end is, of course, being a tyrant. Nobody wants a king to be a tyrant. That's a terrible thing to be. And on the other end, what is described as utter chaos and messiness and terrible things is democracy. <laughs> and 
so, and so I, it was, you know, because I, I came to the United States when I was nine years old from Switzerland, which is a direct democracy. Everybody votes on everything um, to the United States. And it's a, it's a treasured concept for me. And here I was for the first time reading it as a very, very, you know, messy and downright, um, it was anarchy. It was just seen as anarchy. And of course, what they argued for in the Middle Ages was what we would recognize today as a benevolent despot. Um, and uh, we have moved on from that in our human evolution. So um, if that's the word I want, I could probably re reimagine that. So I have a quick question for you because indeed our, our time is drawing very much to a close. Um, and that is um, how is our work as an educational institution visible or manifest to you both in its connection to this multicultural, multiracial democracy that we live in. How is being at Grinnell College, where do you feel, see um, that connection between education and democracy? How is that connection between education and democracy visible to you, manifested to you, apparent to you? Well, you end up on such easy questions. Um, <laughs> how, how is it, How what is that connection? Um, I, I suppose when I think about democracy, I think about decisions that 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 we're called upon to to have a voice in, right, and mm. and to try to affect in some way um, with our vote, with our influence, with our um, communication with others. Um, and so when I think about a, an institution like Grinnell, um, I suppose what I see as um, helping contribute to that is the environment where people really do have the opportunity to see different perspectives, to understand different issues, to be exposed to um, to be exposed to questions that um, I guess we get back to questions that that they might have thought of on their own, but they might not have thought of on their own. So, so your ability to contribute is really shaped by the people and ideas that you you might come into contact here. Oh, thank you, thank you so much, Kayla. What about you? Um, well, where my mind immediately goes is um, what what of what happens at the college is not connected to uh, to democracy, mm -hmm. um, and and it's um, it's a very short list um, that that wouldn't connect. I mean, I, I think about um, in in our governance structures um, coming to understand. Um, the difference between direct and representative democracy, mm. the virtues of both, um, the potential pitfalls of both. Um, so in the, in the very structures of our governance, I think that we see ways of understanding um, democracy as process, democracy as an exercise of power of different kinds. Um, but I also, as, as Monica suggested, in the very nature of our work in trying to um, understand the variety of issues before us, um, in which as citizens we, are, uh, we have a responsibility, I think, to participate, um, I think it's, it's really it's a, a, a special place and a special opportunity to be able to appreciate in the context of the liberal arts um, just how varied those issues are. And to be a responsible participant in democratic life requires, um, again, uh, Monica, earlier you talked about curiosity, a mm -hmm. fundamental curiosity, mm -hmm. um, an openness to other perspectives, um, a capacity to collaborate with others. Um, I see in all of these things a fundamental connection to, to democratic life, whether uh, on a local, regional, state, or national scale, right? These, these things happen differently, but power is a part of governance and, and democracy at every level. Curiosity needs to be part of governance uh, and democracy at every level. So I really just, I, I feel like if you look across the work that we do together, Right, the shared labor of the liberal arts, you see connections to democracy everywhere. Oh, that's, that's so marvelous. I, I, um, 
I think about that responsibility to participate. Um, and then Monica, your your sense to contribute to an environment that is participatory. I think that those two work together. And I, I, um, I, I am so grateful to you both. Um, the time really flew by. And where I thought we would talk for just half an hour, it's been longer. So I'll have exactly a minute and 15 seconds um, to wrap up. But I can do it. I mean, really, all at this point um, that I would want to share with you, dear listeners, um, is an invitation to continue the conversation. Um, you can email president at grinnell.edu with your thoughts um, and your hopes and dreams for this institution. We will keep building into this. I took copious notes this evening um, and will be carrying this conversation with my treasured colleagues forward into other conversations. I, I actually really am grateful for this conceptual time um, and space uh, of this spring and knowing that we will move into more action-oriented uh, projects and initiatives in the fall and, you know, uh, have an opportunity to report back to the community about that. So what a, what an incredible privilege to um, be at Grinnell College at a time when we are able to think into our own future. Uh, and to do so together. So it's been a real pleasure, uh, Monica and Caleb, to speak with you. Um, I will end the broadcast. I'll ask you to stay on for just a second at the end. But uh, here we go, once in future Grinnell. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.